Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Today, I'm chatting to the beautiful Olivia Molly Rogers. Olivia is the former Miss Universe Australia, a media personality, a mental health advocate, and an artist. But she is so much more than all of those things. And today, we're chatting about why confidence has nothing to do with how you look or whether you've won a beauty pageant like Olivia has, but it has everything to do with how you feel on the inside, how you treat other people and the impact that you make with your actions. You're going to love this episode, so let's get right to it. Hello, Olivia. Welcome. Welcome to my show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Really, really good. And it's um, I'm coming to you from London and you're in Australia, so we're on opposite sides of the world, opposite time zones, so good morning to you. You're probably cold and I'm hot. <laughs> Literally. So let's dive in. So tell us about who you are and what you do for the audience who may not be aware of who you are. Okay, so it's never a short answer, this one. My name's obviously Olivia. I was Miss Universe Australia 2017. Prior to that, I was a speech pathologist, self-taught artist, model. But yeah, since then, I'm still technically a speech pathologist, although I don't practice at the moment. And I suppose a mental health advocate and an advocate for positive body image. And I guess influencer, but I don't really like that word. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's kind of me. Still painting as well, so. Amazing. Many hats. Yeah, a few hats. (laughs) I find it hard to get any of them, so just keeping them all at the moment. (laughs) It's amazing. Obviously, you're, you've won Miss Universe, right? So I think there's a perception definitely out there amongst a lot of females that once you look a certain way, or maybe if you're beautiful, or, you know, for instance, you're a pageant winner of Miss Universe, that that would give you confidence. But what do you think that confidence really means? And what does it mean to you personally? So I completely agree with that. I think when I was younger, I thought that too. I think as young girls, we're sort of told that if you look a certain way that you will be happy, not necessarily in those words, but you know, you see images of beautiful people and they always look happy. So you just make that assumption that, you know, if you look like the girl in the magazine, then you're probably going to be really beautiful, successful and happy. Um, That doesn't really work that way. To me, confidence has nothing to do with how you look at all. It's all about knowing who you are and, and learning to love that person. I think for a really long time I sort of 
tried to be other people to become confident and it just doesn't work like that. You need to work out what your strengths are and your weaknesses too and, yeah, learn to embrace who you are. I love that. I actually used to work in the fashion industry, so I've got kind of insider scoop on what it's like not to be a model but sort of observing how models uh, have to live and the kind of things that they get subjected to. So somebody who has that background in the modeling industry and then, you know, going on to Miss Universe, how was it for you to have that commentary constantly on your body or your shape or your size? And how did that affect you? It's really hard. I think you'll find that some of the most beautiful people in the world are the most insecure because you do get scrutinized so much for how you look. I was super insecure before I started modeling. I was a really shy, uh, shy young girl. I was really unsure of who I was. And like I said before, I kept trying to sort of be someone else to be confident. So then going into the modeling industry with that mindset was not very smart um, <laughs> because then I was only told again that I should change in order to be successful. So I was quite slim when I started, but I was told to be smaller. So I became super skinny and really unhealthy. I developed anxiety, depression, an eating disorder, but I was constantly measured and told that I looked great. So it was very twisted and very unhealthy. Do you know what? One of the big things that I hear over and over again, whether it's clients, audiences, you know, social media is that women are searching for that validation and searching for that confidence outside of themselves. And often that is coming from the affirmation or the positive compliments that they receive from other people. But particularly in the modeling industry, those judgments that you're getting from other people are very misguided and they're not actually going to make you feel whole and complete. Yeah, hundred percent. And to like, I remember I moved to Sydney for modeling because the industry there is a bit bigger. Well, it definitely was at the time as well. And I, was just told the whole time that I needed to, you know, change how I looked. I had to change my hair, change my size um, and all of that. But then you meet people, you go to castings and they literally just look you up and down and you're only getting judged on how you look. They couldn't care less if you're a nice person or if you're not or if you're smart or, you know, your hobbies or anything. So they don't care about you as a person. So you're not, you might sometimes get validated on your looks, rarely though but you never get any validation on how you are as a person. So yeah, it does. It leaves you feeling pretty empty. Mm. It's a pretty lonely industry. Yeah. I mean, I even felt that energy just working in the industry. I was a stylist and even just seeing the way that people would speak about the models when they weren't there or the way that I was expected to cast girls, you know, I was casting girls for a brand and for them, size eight is too big. And I'm bigger than that. And I was standing there being told that. So as well, you're kind of absorbing those messages passively yourself as well. And, you know, a lot of the girls that used to come through, you could, you could tell, like, you can't always tell somebody has an eating disorder by looking at them, but some of them, it was really obvious, you know, and then they came out later that they did. And I felt so much guilt and so much responsibility for being a part of that and so for me like leaving the industry was a part of me actually being confident in my values and changing my lifestyle my career to align with something that felt more authentic for me because it really just left me feeling pretty crap on the inside doing that work yeah 
it's, yeah. it's so hard when it is something that, you know, there are aspects of it that you do enjoy and there certainly were for me with modeling. I mean, I feel like when I talk about it retrospectively, everything that I say sounds negative, but I did enjoy, you know, meeting stylists and, and hairdressers and makeup artists and uh, the photographers, the, like the creative team were generally speaking like awesome people and it could be really fun. But all of the, I guess, negative, I just want to say all the shit, all the shit that comes with it. It's just, you know, it really outweighs it, the positive side of it. So I think for you, you know, being a stylist, like you obviously love fashion and love that side of it. But then there's just so much stuff that comes with it that you don't like that makes it really hard to, to enjoy it. Mm, yeah, I think a lot of people can resonate with that, though, whether they're in fashion or, or another industry, you know, there are going to be parts of your job that you love and that are really positive. I mean, like I loved being creative. I loved working with the models in terms of, you know, being around people and running a team and doing photo shoots and, you know, planning that stuff. That was all great. But I think, you know, sometimes it's about weighing up uh, those values and whether it's worth it or not, whether it's worth it for your personal mental health. So for you, you're obviously still a model though. So how has it changed from uh, what it was like before to kind of where you are now and the work that you do now and your message? So I took a big break from modeling when I got really sick. I moved back home to Adelaide from Sydney and decided that I would never model again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I went back to study. So at the time I'd completed a year of speech pathology but then I took a break to model. So I went back to that and I loved studying. I got so much more from, you know, getting a good mark at university than I did, you know, doing a good photo shoot or something. So instantly I was getting more out of it and started sort of healing my relationship with myself. It was a really good time for me to take a break from modeling and I honestly thought I wouldn't go back to it. But being from Adelaide, Adelaide... That you wouldn't know, probably most of your listeners wouldn't know either, but it's very small. I'm from Australia, you know that, right? I didn't know that. I must have lost my accent. <laughs> I'm, I'm not from Adelaide though, I'm from Perth. <laughs> uh, well, similar. Adelaide and Perth are pretty similar. Um, no, you sound like a Londoner. The Londoners listening are going to laugh so hard at that because they all think I sound so Aussie. <laughs> really? <laughs> I thought it was faint but still English how long have you been there for uh three years now I ended up marrying an English guy so I'm stuck now (laughs) (laughs) you're stuck I'm stuck (laughs) but yeah so Adelaide um growing up there yeah it is small so I started getting booked for things that you know someone would say oh a friend of mine has started this label can you do a shoot and she'll give you some clothes or you know that sort of thing or some hair modeling or and it wasn't necessarily, you know, big paid jobs. It was more doing a favour for someone. But they were asking me to do it because, you know, they liked me for me and how I looked. And um, I didn't have to, you know, they weren't like, can you lose a bit of weight and then you can do the shoot? It wasn't like that. So I was saying yes to them and I was enjoying it. It was all of the things that I did like about modelling without the negative pressure from someone telling me how to look. So I was just managing myself and just like, booking little random jobs here and there. So yeah, throughout the rest of my degree, that's what I was doing. Just like, I'd say very part-time modeling. Then I was painting pretty much full-time and studying full-time. And I loved that balance of the three. And 
I was really enjoying it. And then I finished my degree, worked for a year as a speech pathologist, and then Miss Universe came around. So I think now modeling post Miss Universe or and during Miss Universe, I was sort of calling the shot still because I went into that saying, if they tell me to lose weight, I'm going to quit. And I just wanted to completely be myself. And um, yeah, I didn't sort of succumb to any pressure to change who I was. So I think modeling now, I'm still allowed to be myself. And I have, I don't have that external pressure that I used to feel. So it's really different. But yeah, I think it, it confuses a lot of people because like having said that I'd never model again and now I still technically do it, but it's very different. When you have an overhaul with your confidence and you really work on the inner mental side of things, you can return to passions of yours, but you return with a new mindset and a new motivation. So you express yourself and immerse yourself in a totally different way. Like even recently I was thinking, you know, I do have that sort of fashion side of me and I was thinking you know I wonder if I could reapproach that or do something cool or design something again and that would now come from a different place that would come from a place of like wanting to create a new possibility or create something fun just because I want to create it rather than like feeling like I need to or that my income depends on it or that my worthiness or how I look to other people depends on it so I, yeah. I really resonate with that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, I guess the motivation behind it has changed for me completely. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. And so you mentioned uh, that you're a mental health advocate. So I'd love to hear more about uh, where your passion for mental health advocacy has begun. I know that there's a personal story there and the kind of work that you do. So as I sort of mentioned, I ended up with severe anxiety and depression and an eating disorder back when I was modeling full-time. I think I started talking about it sort of to help myself, to be honest. It was therapeutic for me to be open about it. And, but I think there is sort of a shame, a feeling of shame that comes with having experienced something like that. And there is so much stigma still around it that it was helping me to be less embarrassed by being open about it and having other people say, oh, like, you know, thank you for sharing that. I'm going through something similar. Um, instantly people started resonating with that and then it helped them to share their story. So then I was like, well, by me talking about this a couple of times, if it helps, you know, one or two people, that's amazing. And it was before Miss Universe. It was before I had a, a bigger following and um, I wasn't reaching as many people, but I still felt that it was doing something good. So, yeah, then going into Miss Universe, I decided that that would be part of the reason I did it. I never thought I would win, but I always said if I was to win that that's what I would do. I would, you know, try to help younger girls and younger boys going through something similar um, because it can be so difficult and and you feel very alone and you feel like you're crazy and that you're the only person that's going through it. So I think the more people that can talk about it, particularly people in the public eye, I think it's really helpful. Mm, I totally, totally agree. It feels like the most scary, crazy, impossible thing at the time just before you're about to do it. But once you do and you get that, you know, release, and then also you realize that doing that, stepping into that vulnerability is inspiring other people to step into theirs. And, you know, in some cases to save their own life by you talking about your own story, it's incredibly healing and incredibly yeah 
transformative for you. I really get that. Like for me, me share it. People say that it's so brave, Amy. You talk about, you know, everything that happened, your PTSD, all of the stuff that I, I share all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it for you, but I also did it for me too. It was healing for yeah. me to share it with you guys. Yeah, so true. I know, like you, my motivation definitely is now to help other people, but mm. I do always feel like it's my own therapy. <laughs> the more I talk about it, and that's always my suggestion to everyone is to just be open about it because it is healing talking about it. Um, and, you know, if you can help others whilst doing that, then it's great. Yeah, for sure. What would you say were the best lessons from your experiences, your challenges and your mistakes? It's a good question. I think through it all, the biggest thing I've learned is to just be myself. The reason I won Miss Universe was because I was completely being myself. I didn't go in, like I said, I never thought I would win. I went in to just enjoy it, you know, to make some friends and see what would happen. And so it was very humbling to then win um, knowing that I had completely been myself and there was no motivation behind it to, you know, be a winner and, you know, to suddenly have this platform. But I think it came at the right time in my life. Like years ago, I would have probably, one, been too scared to enter and not have done it. Or I would have entered and tried to be someone I'm not. I probably, you know, would have tried to lose weight. When I had interviews throughout, I, I never answered questions, you know, with a certain motivation behind it. It was just, I was just being honest and I was just being myself. And I think, yeah, through it all, that's been the biggest thing. You know, if you're never, if you're not being yourself, then you've got to try and uphold this other persona that you've put out there and it would just be exhausting. Like I couldn't have done I couldn't have completed the year as Miss Universe Australia if I had been trying to be someone else because that would just be, yeah, it'd be absolutely exhausting. Whereas it's been one of the most enjoyable experiences for me and it continues to be because it's much more comfortable just being myself. I think that and then also surrounding myself with the right people. So I think for a really long time, you would know growing up in Perth, <clears throat> growing up in Adelaide, you become friends with people because it's convenient and you know it's people that you've grown up with and you think you sort of have to remain friends with people because you've been friends for a certain amount of time but I found myself leaving you know you catch up for coffee with someone and I'd leave and just feel drained and I'm like oh my god why why do they make me feel like that but you think there's no sort of out like you think you have to be friends with them but I've now learned that you don't which sounds really simple but sort of getting rid of those people that do drain me and um, don't believe in what I'm doing or I guess believe in me and then surrounding myself with the right people, that's been a huge thing for me in helping my mental health and keeping me happy, just being around the right people. Mm, I'm so glad you said that. That's totally been my experience and actually that is something that I get asked about all the time is this kind of question of how do we how do we break up with those friends who are like the energy vampires so i don't know what do you th- what do you think about that how do you how do you actually step away from those friendships that you know are draining you and aren't serving you anymore for me it was it became really obvious to me who my good friends were um, when miss universe happened particularly because you can <laughs> it becomes very obvious who wants to be friends with you because of you know, your sudden, I guess, sudden status. There were people who definitely were trying to latch on to me just because of that. And I could see right through it. And then it was the friends that 
I felt like were there for the right reasons and that were there for me no matter what. And, you know, rather than asking all of the typical questions, they were just asking, you know, if I was okay and genuinely caring about me um, and not what I was doing. That made it easy for me to, I guess, separate the two and work out who was good for me and who wasn't. And then I guess I moved to Melbourne. So that was kind of a, <laughs> an easy way to cut out a lot, which probably sounds really bad. That's not the reason I moved, but it just sort of worked that That's way. It's dramatic. <laughs> it is, you don't need to move into state, um, but it does help. No, because then now when I go back, you know, I can prioritise who I want to see. I mainly want to see my family, but obviously close friends as well. But it did make it easier for me to be like, yeah, just to say no to the ones that I don't really get that much out of. And, you know, the ones that you only hear from when you do do something good um, Mm. or when they want some goss or something. Um, Yeah, they're not the people that I really want to spend my time with. But I think if you can't move physically away from these people... I suggest just phasing them out. Um, I hate confrontation. I hate conflict. So I will do anything to avoid it. So I would never suggest to message someone and be like, look, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. You're draining me. Um, <laughs> as much as like, that's probably more effective. Yeah, I think just phasing them out and yeah, spending your time like locking plans in with the right people so that then you genuinely are busy and you have a reason to not see those energy vampires I like that but you call them that (laughs) yeah just make make plans with the right people it's just as important as the food we eat or how we move um you know the relationships that we hold space for are super important for our health and our mental well-being like you said you know humans are super social creatures we rely on the people around us to give us energy and so that's why it's pretty obvious when there are people that drain your energy because you physically feel drained after being with them or like used yeah but I think you know a lot of us will break up with a partner like a boyfriend if if we feel like they're not right for us and they're not treating us as they should but when it comes to friends people think oh but you know we it's my you know my our parents are friends or we've been friends for 10 years like I have to be friends with her but you just don't yeah people need to learn that it's okay to end those friendships totally totally so let's talk about comparison so this is one of the big barriers to confidence it's something that I know so many women are struggling with particularly now because of social media and you know influences So as somebody who is considered an influencer, I know you don't like the word, but, um, you know, you are, (laughs) how do you personally deal with comparison or any kind of pressure to portray yourself in a certain way, or maybe there's pressure to not portray yourself in a certain way? Um, comparison is just the devil. Like it really is. I think it's in our nature to compare and no matter how hard we try to not compare, we are always going to do it. So I think you just have to find a way to squash it down and do it as little as possible. For me, when I moved to Melbourne, I was so scared of coming into the industry here because from what I could see on social media, it's just all these stunning models who look like they've all got their shit together and, you know, they seem really confident. And yeah, I was nervous to meet them and to, I guess, For one, I was nervous that I wouldn't be a part of it. 
but then two, to be surrounded by so many amazing women. I was really nervous that I'd fall back into my old habits, I suppose. Um, when I was really bad, I was comparing myself to people all the time. Um, but in saying that, I had gotten to a point where I was confident and happy in my own skin. So I was much better at being like, okay, I like myself for, you know, X, Y, and Z for these different reasons. She might have bigger boobs than me or whatever it is. Um, but she isn't a speech pathologist or, you know, those little comparisons, but not comparing negatively, but thinking of yourself in a positive light. I think that really helps if that makes sense. Everybody's got their insecurities and every, you know, you could be looking at a girl and admiring her, I don't know, her beautiful long hair and thinking, God, I wish I had that hair. But at the same time, she could be looking at you and thinking, oh, I love her smile. I wish I had her smile. So no matter what, you always want something that you don't have. Um, and if you keep comparing, then you're never going to be happy within yourself. So, yeah, I think we need to work out what we love about ourselves and just hold on to that. And when you find yourself comparing yourself to someone else, um, just think about those things that you know that you've got and that they can't be taken away from you. Mm, I love that. I call it owning your sparkle. So I always get my clients to write down a full A4 page of things that they like and appreciate about themselves and their unique qualities. And it's kind of like when you get a new handbag, for instance, like you love it for, you know, the first week that you have it and you treasure it and you're, it's a shiny new thing and you're obsessed with it. But five years later, when you've worn it every day, you kind of just chuck it around and you don't really see it for what it is in the same way. And for us, like we see ourselves every day, we look at ourselves all the time. And so we forget that what we embody is really, really special. And we're just kind of used to ourselves. And I was even saying in a talk today, like often really super creative people, this is a generalization, but they might not be good with numbers. So then they think that they're really stupid or they feel really triggered when they have to do the numbers in their business, or they have to do something that requires, you know, a more logical or mathematical way of doing things. But actually the people who are more strong in those areas would probably love to be creative and have that creative and playful spark that they have. So it's, I totally agree. It's just about coming home to the things that you have and focusing your intention into those things and making those things amazing rather than just trying to fill all the things that you think are missing in you. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's being kind to yourself too. When I grew up, my dad always used to say to me to treat others how you want to be treated. But then I found myself treating myself poorly and being nice to everyone else. And like, why am I doing that? So yeah, I think stopping and realizing when you're not being kind to yourself and thinking if I was my best friend, would I treat myself like that? And the way that you compliment your best friend or the way that your friend sees you, you need to start seeing yourself like that. Um, mm. But I feel like it's in our nature as Aussies as well. Arrogance is very unappealing. Um, so I think a lot of people are scared to be confident because they think that it's going to be mistaken for arrogance. Mm -hmm. So people like to bring themselves down so that they don't sound arrogant, but it ends up making you really, you know, self-deprecating and it really affects your confidence. So yeah, I think we need to be kind to ourselves. I hear that a lot. People say, oh, you know, I really want to be confident, but I just don't want to be seen as arrogant. And I say, well, you're talking to me and I'm super confident. Do you think I'm arrogant? And they'll say, no, not at all. And I'm like, there you go. You know, they don't go together. It's about 
being bold, being yourself and just being unapologetic about it. It's not saying that you're better than anyone. It's just saying that you're cool with who you are. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And like as well, a lot of women, they make jokes about themselves and they're self-deprecating and they find it more comfortable to talk about what they're not good at versus yeah. when I sit down with a room of women in a workshop and I say, I want you to say out loud three things that are amazing about you. And people start crying and get really uncomfortable. They don't even want to say it. And then if I ask, what are, what do you not don't like, uh, they've got a long list ready, you know, and that's a super sad thing. Yeah. That was one of the amazing things about the Miss Universe program is we did a lot of personal development and we had to come up with all of our strengths and weaknesses and really obviously focus on your strengths and then how you communicate with people who have different strengths and that sort of thing. So, you know, the skills that can translate into work life and, and that sort of thing. But it really does help you to build your confidence um, knowing what they are and knowing how different everybody is and that's okay. But I was going to say too, I don't know, do you remember that show, How to Look Good Naked? Did you ever watch I, that? I can't remember if I watched it. Go on, fill me in. (laughs) There was this bit where, like, it was always these super self-conscious women who he helped them to learn they are beautiful how they are. They don't need to change. It wasn't, you know, you need to lose this weight to look good naked. It was learn to embrace who you are and you can feel good and feel confident in your own skin. So he would get the girls to stand in their underwear and look at this lineup of women and they would range in sizes. Um, not massively, but like roughly around the same size as, as the woman. And then he'd say, I want you to pick out where you think you fit in between all these women. And they would always put themselves like way higher on the scale. Like they saw themselves as this really big person that they just weren't. So I think it was like, it was really powerful. It was like just showing how you view yourself so differently to how other people view you. And if you were to see someone walking down the street who looked like you, I'm sure you wouldn't be so harsh on them as you are to yourself. But yeah, I think that's something that I always try to remember when I, you know, I definitely have off days still. But if I'm looking at myself in the mirror and thinking something negative, trying to turn it into a positive, I think that really helps. I so agree. I mean, we all have off days, even me. I'm a confidence coach. I could sing this stuff till the cows come home and I will still have an off day. It just means that, you're a human being, but it's, I think about having those more positive thought processes that you know you can turn to in those moments and letting yourself know that you're enough. Yeah, definitely. So while we're on the topic of social media, you, you've got quite a big following. So let's talk about, you know, the rise of nasty comments and things online. Cause I think a lot of people are very scared of being judged, very scared of being seen. And as an influencer, you are judged, you are seen, and people like to comment on it and not sort of acknowledge that there's a real human being behind the screen. So what have been your experiences of this? So I have been pretty lucky. I don't get bombarded with hate But I do get it every now and then. And it's funny how, you know, you could get a hundred nice comments and then get one negative comment and you just latch onto that one. And I could tell you word for word some of the nasty comments that I've received, but I probably couldn't tell you as many of the nice ones I've received. And it's really sad, but at least I'm aware of it, I guess. I think when someone does comment something nasty, it's like what we were taught when we were little, like 
if someone's bullying you or picking on you, you know that it's a problem within themselves. It's not actually about you. But it can be really hard when they're saying something that is really personal or, you know, they nitpick at something that you are really insecure about. It just sort of makes you believe that maybe what they're saying is true. But I think it comes back again to knowing who you are and accepting who you are and loving the differences about you and what makes you you. Um, And you really need to focus on that rather than focusing on the awful things that some people say. I watched a documentary on trolls and it was really interesting. It was, they had this guy who was a self-proclaimed troll and he was saying that it was addictive, getting a reaction out of someone. He said, you don't troll to not get a reaction. That would be like smoking without nicotine. Like it just makes no sense. So they literally do it to get a reaction. And, and he said he'd go through someone's profile and be like, hmm, her nose is a bit wonky. I bet she's self-conscious about that. And then comment saying, you know, you have the ugliest nose I've ever seen because he knows that that would really hurt her. And so I think watching that was really powerful and reminded me that it is, it's them, it's their problem and they are just trying to make you feel shit and they're trying to bring you down. So you do just need to remember what you love about yourself and try to block it out. That is so horrific. How nasty is that? I think I saw recently as well, you called someone out, which I thought was so amazing someone had written something about the size of your boobs and you oh, said something like i'm fine with my boobs mate well they, they or they commented just saying like i know i have small boobs that's fine and i'm fine with that like that has honestly never been something that i have felt the need to change like i've never considered having a boob job although people have said it to me before oh have you ever thought about getting your boobs done i'm like well actually i hadn't until you said that but thanks um <laughs> guy commented on my on a photo just saying small boobs and I was like uh, I actually thought it was really funny because I was like well I know so I don't know why you're saying that but I yeah screenshot it put on my story and then all these people were messaging me like oh babe don't worry like small boobs are great and everyone was trying to make me feel really good and I'm like oh guys don't worry like I'm actually okay I thought it was quite funny but then uh, I felt the need to yeah do a post about it and say look I wasn't offended by this, but I am okay with having small boobs. I just think it's funny that people feel the need to point out the obvious for one. And I think they were trying to bring me down or make me feel self-conscious or, you know, something negative. It's weird that people feel the need to do that, but they're always going to. So, Mm. I mean, I always say, Picture you're in the most happiest state of mind you could be in, like on your wedding day or something like that. You are not going to walk around and say something nasty to someone, right? Because you are happy in yourself. So when people are lashing out and writing stupid shit like that on the internet, it's because they're judging themselves on the inside or they're trying to displace their shame or their emotions onto someone else because they don't want to sit with their own feelings. So it's easier to just push it onto someone else. And that's why little kids bully each other. It's not because they're bad people or bad kids. It's because they feel shame in some way. So they want to put it onto somebody else. hundred percent. It's so true. Yeah. I got this really nasty comment back in September. No message. It was a private message and it was a fake account. Like they had definitely made it to go through and message people saying awful things. And I think that what you were just saying that's so much a part of that that they were you know hiding behind a screen and they were just 
pushing all their negativity out onto other people to try and make themselves feel better. But I'm sure at the end of it all, they don't feel better. Yeah, they've got to have a lot of unhappiness in their life to want to do that. Mm, totally. It's the same when people gossip, like the more that people gossip, it's because they want to put their focus on someone else because they don't want to sit, you know, inside of themselves and be judging and criticizing themselves because people who are super happy don't gossip about other people, in my view anyway. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Sure. Yeah. So what advice would you love to share with anyone who's listening, who's struggling with their confidence or their mental health right now? To listen to you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I think what you're doing is amazing. But I think one of the biggest ones is to surround yourself with the right people. Because if you are on a path to become more confident and you're learning to love yourself and doing all the right things within yourself, but then you're around the wrong people, then you're never going to improve. You're never going to feel better because you need other people around you to believe in you. I think happiness does start from within. You've got to love yourself, but you do also need a good support network. I think being really open about it. So if you are struggling with with happiness, confidence, um, mental health, anything, just talking to someone. For me, getting better had so much to do with other people. I rely heavily on my mom. She's Uh, my sounding board at all times and close friends and I went to doctors, uh, psychologists, professionals, seeking support and not being embarrassed to do that. I think people are always scared of being different and you know they think what they're going through is really strange but it's more likely that as soon as you talk about it the other person will be like oh I went through something similar rather than the other way around. So yeah I think seeking support and yeah surrounding yourself with the right people. Something that I heard recently from someone and it just set off this light bulb in my head because I felt the exact same way was as well when I was seeking support for my mental health. There was a part of me that didn't think that people would believe me They because I was... I seemed quite happy on the outside. So I would also, I guess, add, I don't know if you experienced that, Olivia, but I kind of, I took a lot of my power back and my healing really accelerated when I accepted that it was okay to talk about stuff. And that people would listen and people would support me, even if they didn't necessarily expect it or understand what I was going through from their own personal viewpoint. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I think you might have been similar in that for so long you try and hide it. So I think that fear of not being believed is because you think that you've been faking it so well. But Mm. a lot of people see through that for sure. Yeah, I I was faking it pretty well. But then also I look at some photos and I think, God, I don't look very well at all. You know, surely somebody knew. But the thing was nobody nobody said anything to me. So that's kind of the sad thing, I guess. Um, But you can't always tell when someone's struggling. I always say it's good to just check on all your friends all the time, especially the ones that don't ask for help because sometimes they're the ones who need it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why now too, I I love working with, you know, Are You Okay and um, Mm -hmm. other mental health organisations because they get the conversation going because it can be really uncomfortable when people don't know what to say. But just asking if someone's okay, you know, can really start that conversation and and help people to feel uh, less embarrassed, less awkward. Mm, Totally, totally. Uh, And so what is one misconception that people have about you? I don't know. That's (laughs) hasn't happened for a little while. I think now because I am so open on social media that I hope I like to think that people know who I really am, but 
every now and then I'll meet someone and, and they'll be like, oh, you're really nice. I'm like, thanks. I'm like, oh, I thought you'd be a bitch. And I, that's really like hard to swallow because you're like, oh, I hope I don't come across that way. But I think it just sort of comes with the industry and they think, you know, being, being a model or being Miss Universe or, um, I don't know, being in the spotlight, maybe they think that, that my confidence is arrogant sometimes and that when they meet me, I won't be genuine. But yeah, I think that's maybe a misconception and it's always nice to hear that people don't think that when they meet me. Um, <laughs> but I don't know what else, maybe, I don't know. Did you have anything that you thought I would be like and then you realised I'm not or I don't know? No, I thought you'd be exactly how you are. That's why I wanted you to come on the show as well. And as a, I think that you definitely come across as different to your typical influencer, you know, in terms of like you do post those beautiful glam shots of you and you're into your fashion and all the fun events that you get to do as somebody in the spotlight and in the work that you do. But you also talk about mental health and you talk about um I've seen you talking lately about sustainability in terms of fashion and just things that you're passionate about and it doesn't come across in a forced way either you know sometimes you can see that people are talking about things but it's almost like they're being vulnerable but they're not they're just kind of sharing but they're potentially not being authentic in the way that they're sharing and you definitely come across as someone who's genuine oh thank you that means a lot I think for me, when I started my social media, I literally just started it because I love sharing photos. I never thought I would end up having any followers. And from the get-go, though, I was, you know, I was studying speech pathology, so I never wanted my account to be, you know, promiscuous or, or rude or anything like that because I never wanted to not be able to get a job as a speech pathologist um, because of that. You know, I think for a parent to look at my account and think, oh God, I don't want her. <laughs> um, <laughs> I never wanted that to be a thing, but also I have a younger sister who is now 10, but I mean, she was eight when I won Miss Universe. So everything that I've ever posted, she's always crossed, she's always been in the back of my mind. It's just automatic now, but, um, you know, always thinking like if she was to look at it, would I be okay with that? And um, would I be okay with her friends looking at it? Um, and same with my younger brother too, who's now 13. I never wanted him to ever get picked on by anyone to be like, oh, your sister posted this. And do you know what I mean? Like I never wanted them to be ashamed or embarrassed or feel weird about what I post. Um, and that being said, I, I think to my grandparents. So my grandparents are always shown my account. Um, you know, my, my grandpa is 80 and he's still practicing as a doctor. And his patients all the time will come in and be like, oh, did you see Olivia did this? And did you see Olivia did this? They're always telling him everything. So that has been a big thing for me too. I'm like, I always want them to feel proud and, and never feel uncomfortable about something that I've put up. So I do think, um, you know, before I post something or uh, write something, um, would my grandpa be okay with this? And, <laughs> and that's been a good, um, a good way to keep me in check, I think. I think most people when they're posting would be scared of how everyone else would perceive them. But I love that you're just thinking of your family and being a good example for your younger siblings. That's super cute. I love it. You know, it means so much more to me to have someone compliment my personality and my, I guess, my morals rather than how I look. You know, it's nice, but it doesn't really mean that much when a random person tells me I'm beautiful. It doesn't make my day. But if 
a mum messages me saying, you know, I, I can't wait for my daughter to follow you because I think you'll be a great role model for her. That sort of thing just warms my heart. And I, I just love hearing that. And it means so much to me. So long-term, it's not the pretty photos that I care about. It's the, you know, the more meaningful stuff that hopefully will make a difference. I love that. You really are super, super special, babe. So last question now. If there was one thing you could tell your younger self, what would it be? I wasted a lot of time when I was younger trying to fit in and trying to change myself to, you know, be cooler or like, because I was just a big nerd and I thought that that was a bad thing, but I've really embraced the nerd um, as I've gotten older. (laughs) So, you know, I think it is cool to be smart and it's cool to want to read and I used to get picked on for doing all my homework, you know, by the other cool girls who were like, oh my God, as if you did your homework. I'm like, oh, I really want to. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be to stop trying to be someone that you're not. Yeah, I would tell my younger self to just be myself and embrace myself and learn to love who I am because that will pay off in the long run. Mm, it certainly is and you're out there with your amazing voice inspiring so many people and definitely inspiring our listeners on today's show so thank you so so much Olivia for your time and your inspiration and your authenticity it's been such a pleasure to have you today thank you so much for having me Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you, and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful and it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode and until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.